comment. You're going to hear some artists talking about all kinds of good stuff. So hopefully you're going to like it. So yes. join us and tune in. Let me make sure the angle is good for all of us. Hi. What's up, yeah, people? I think, I hey, think y'all. you can see us. Facebook. We've got Lady Instagram. Okay. This is cool. So if you're just tuning in, um, I'm Sulinette. I am the host of the Creative Alchemist podcast. You can't see you. Here's my face. There you are. We're on like multiple cameras. So, um, so I am the host of the Creative Alchemist podcast. I created that. See what I did there? Um, and essentially the podcast is a way to connect and converse with artists that are that are navigating the business world that are bringing together those supposedly separate worlds so people that are making a business out of the creative things that they do um because i feel like that's lacking in in the conversations when we are talking about artists when we are listening to artists and um and I wanted to talk about that. I wanted to talk about money. I wanted to talk about business. I wanted to talk about strategies along with things that inspire us, things that, 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 that feed us and feed our souls. Like I love those conversations too. So, um, so over the last month, these have been my guests and I brought them together today. I like bringing my guests for the month together at the end of the month for a live session so that you all could tune in and ask your questions. Um, give us any comments if you've listened to their podcast episodes, which you should have done your homework, you know what I'm saying? Um, so if you have any questions related to art, related to creative business, or any questions that came up when you were listening to their episodes, now is the time for you to um, to ask and, and learn and, and get some gems dropped and pull out your notebooks and pencils because you're going to learn a thing or two, I promise. So yeah. Um, I'm gonna be checking in to see if y'all have questions, but if everybody wants to like introduce themselves, cool. We'll start with Hector. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, see what they just did there? You're next in line. You're next in line. All right, all right. So, uh, my name is Hector Navarro. I am a what I would like to say a entrepreneur. Because I want to be an entrepreneur, but I just got off work, so I can't officially call myself an entrepreneur. Uh, so yeah, entrepreneur. Um, but I also, um, I have my own business on the side called Bearded Egghead. That's the LLC, the for-profit business that I'm trying to turn into a leadership consulting agency. And I also have a non-profit that I just finished establishing called Brass City Gamers Tournament. And what we do, we raise money for different charities and organizations that are trying to make a significant impact within our community in Waterbury. Yes. Awesome. Um, my name is Alicia Cobb. I am a full-time visual artist. Um, I've been full-time for, I want to say three and a half, going on four years actually. I've been full-time as an artist. And what does that mean, a full-time artist? I paint people, walls, canvas, pretty much anything I could get my hands on. I teach, I mentor, um, but everything that I do is in the art world. Um, I love art, I love people. I've figured out how to merge the two together and make a living doing that. So I love what I do. I specialize in body art, so I paint people more than anything. But I love um, inspiring other people. I love talking to other people about being an artist and creating change. I love the idea of change for the better. Um, and I feel like artists are the ones 
that are in charge of that. Like we go against the grain, we do things that other people don't do. The creative mind is a force to be reckoned with. And I'm happy that I have one and I'm happy to be among other people that have them. And so I don't know what else to say, that's it. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm Shelly Best and I'm an unusual kind of artist because I'm a minister artist and I see ministry as an art form as well. I'm also a visual artist and I am a storyteller. And I've created an art installation in Hartford called the 224 Eco Space, which is where we are right now. And it's a 30,000 square foot building that we say 30,000 square feet of endless possibilities. So it's a space for artists and entrepreneurs and performers. So without, uh, you can walk through this place there. Tonight we have ballet people, tap dancers, we have hip hop dancers, we have people that are building their own small businesses. It's all in this space, so we call it an eco-space because we all come together and we learn and create new things because in many ways we become a mutation because we are exposed to the other and we become different because of the other. And then in this space, you can see some of my work. I like to do geometric um, abstracts and I do a lot of floating souls. So that's part of my work as well. So. That's who I am and what I do. Also, I'm the pastor of a church in Plainville, Connecticut called Redeemer's Amy Zion Church. And so that's where part of my ministry and art happens as well. So, so that's who we are. Kion is here. Shout out to Kion. Hey! Kion. So Kion said, I say call yourself an entrepreneur now. You're already way ahead of people who are just talking the talk and haven't done a fraction of what you have already done. Mm. And she also said one of the things I love about Reverend Dr. Best is that her work is singular. I can spot her style from a mile away. That's hard to do. Wow. Thank you. That's awesome. That's awesome. And she and I are getting ready to work on a project together, so stay tuned. Ooh. Ooh. You saw that nice. mystery drop? See? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, I like that. She said, "Call yourself that. an entrepreneur now, not a entrepreneur." Ooh. That's what she yeah. said. That's what she said. That was for you. That was, that was preaching. That was yeah. for you. I got that. Right so, so that'll lead me to a question: What What does it take for you to, and not just for you? This could be for anybody. But what does it take to reach the point where you're like, "Oh, okay, now I'm an entrepreneur. Now I can take that label." Because I hear that a lot when it comes to any of these things that we call ourselves, whether it's artist, writer, whatever. We, we wait, like there's, there's some goal we reach before we're like, okay, now I can claim the name. So mm-hmm. what, what is that, what's that finish line or starting line or midline or wherever that line is? Like, what does it take? Um, for me, I, I don't, I, that's a good question because I honestly don't know the answer to that. Mm-hmm. Um, Thinking about it, I think that essentially, like, if you are passionate about something, if you're passionate about anything, whether it's art, a business, um, anything at all, like uh, dogs or walking dogs, walking cat, whatever it is that... Who walks cats? <laughs> it's a hard do. business. Okay. I have okay. seen cats. Okay. Okay. I've never seen it, but I mean, you know. I've seen cats on leashes. Oh, that's got to be an awesome sight. It's bizarre. Yeah. Uh, I think it's just fulfilling your passion. Like now, you guys almost fell. We're still here. We're still here. Cool. 
You guys almost fell. Shout out to you for surviving. (laughs) Okay, we got you all back. Cool. Cool. I think it's just at the end of the day, just fulfilling your passion. Like, even even right now, like, I'm working full time. The reason Mm -hmm. I say entrepreneur is because I do want to get to the point, like, when you and me had that conversation where it's like, now I can pay rent. Mm. with my side gig okay you know what i mean like i want to be able to get to a point where i could say wow this job that i have right now is not necessary for me Mm. um i'm not i'm not i'm different from everybody else because i've been to the military so i have a source of income from pension so i'm not going to tell people to just go out and do it because I could go out and do it and still receive a source of income, mm-hmm. but I'm sitting nice and tight until I know and I feel comfortable that I could do this whenever I get to pay rent, mm-hmm. whenever I could pay my bills, okay. whenever I could get all these things together, then I'm doing it. But it doesn't mean that I'm going to stop myself from pursuing my passion mm-hmm. because on the side, I still have eight hours left if i sleep for eight hours work for eight hours i still have another eight hours of the day left for me to be able to put in some work during there Mm -hmm. i dedicate an hour and a half to my family to my girlfriend or whatever but there's got to be some time that you dedicate within those hours that you're just chilling to be able to pursue your passion and i think that's what separates entrepreneurship from those that just sit back relax and don't do anything and Mm -hmm. just dream See, my, my answer would be a little bit different. So I agree with you to an extent, but I'm one of those people who took the leap. Mm. <laughs> Kudos. I'm, Kudos. I'm one of those people who Kudos. just, I'm not saying there wasn't a plan in place. Mine was really just, <laughs> it was a leap of faith. It was um, being in the workforce for 20 plus years, working for other people. Cause I've been working since I was 14 years old. Mm. Um, and just being in the workforce, working for other people and knowing from day one that I wasn't put here to do it. Right. So I think an entrepreneur is not necessarily somebody that is making solely their money and career off of their passion. I think it is necessary to be passionate about something. And there are plenty of entrepreneurs who actually do work a nine to five or a part time job and they still have their side hustle. So technically, if you are making money outside of a job off of an idea that you birthed, you are an entrepreneur. That's what yes. I believe. I believe if you are making any source of income, whether it be nonprofit, for profit, you're making money with something you're passionate about, something that you created, True. that makes you an entrepreneur. There's other words, like for myself, I'm an, I'm an artist, so I call myself an entrepreneur, right? And then you have people who are one woman, one man shows, that those are solopreneurs. So there's all these, the mm-hmm. entrepreneur, today was my first time hearing that. Well, because <laughs> I listened to your podcast and I was like, entrepreneur, that's different. But I agree in saying you, if you have made, if you created this idea and you are moving in that idea, you are an entrepreneur. You are a business owner, whether it's full time mm-hmm. or part time, it's yours. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where I'm like the whole leap thing. I get that you having that nest to fall back on. That's beautiful. Mine is all faith. Word. I am rich. I am rich with faith right now. Word. That is woo. That is that is it. That is my source of. That's income. the level I want to get to. We paddling the same get boat. To that level. We're paddling I've in the paddling same boat. boat for a minute. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So I, I loved your answer, and I, I do agree with a lot of it. But I, I just want to say, give credit where credit is due. If you've created right. something and you're moving in that something. It's yours. So you are an entrepreneur. Cool. And, and cool. I would say I started out as an entrepreneur 
in a non-traditional way. So I didn't know that's what I was. But I think part of being an entrepreneur is having a mindset. You as Mm. an entrepreneur know how to manifest a new reality. You know how to use resources from wherever to create something new. And for me, I was one of those jump into it entrepreneurs because I had a state job and I had a nice salary and I decided because I love God, I'm going to jump out and pastor full time a church with seven members. Mm. I gave up my full time paycheck to pastor a church with seven members. Wow. And they did not have an endowment because it was an African-American church. There's no old money left behind. It meant every week, whatever comes in is what everybody's living on. And because the church had limited resources, I had to live on faith. So for three years, I lived without money. Three years, I did not get a paycheck because a church of seven members cannot give you a salary. So that meant I'm getting a little money pressed in my hand. I'm going on preaching engagements. We're doing fundraisers. We're in the hustle. And so it's ministry, but it's the same thing. It's the hustle in order to produce the product, which is the ministry. So even though a lot of ministers don't realize they're entrepreneurs, in order to be successful in this thing called ministry and faith, Mm -hmm. you got to be an entrepreneur, especially in communities of color. There's no leftover money. So So that means if I'm selling chicken sandwiches, (laughs) if I'm creating programs and fashion shows, if I'm preaching and cultivating donors, it's all entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. And so I've been in full-time ministry since the day of the O.J. Simpson verdict in 1995. That's when I walked out of my state job, and I've been raising my salary for that many years. Wow. Mm -hmm. And so what it means is I'm raising my salary at the church or I'm raising my salary here at the 224 Ecospace, which is a social enterprise. That's entrepreneurship. Finding that money, finding the hustle, raising that money. It means you can never sit back and go, I'm set. It's just going to come in. That check going to come. No, every day you got to show up and you got to make something happen. Mm -hmm. And so I'm fortunate that for over 20 years, I've been able to live off my passion. So the one thing I can say compared to a lot of my friends, I love what I do. Mm -hmm. So I get to work from love, and that's a great combination with being an entrepreneur. Mm. Yes, Mm. that's awesome. To be happy, to be living this way of producing life, I don't have to dread a day. Or people say, oh, you're going to go to work today? Um, I work every day. But it doesn't feel like work because I'm living. Because you love what you do. That's, and that's it. Yeah, that's awesome. that's really it. Yeah. You know, loving what you do. That that is that's it. Why why are we here? If we're not here to love what we do and help other people, right? What's the point? And it's the fact that we love what we do, and we feel like we're working from our purpose. I was made yes. for this. Yes. 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 This, this is yes. my being. Yes. This is not just a check. This right. is. I was made for this. Yes. And so our creative endeavors is what we're made to do. Absolutely. And that's the way we live. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So we have a couple questions. Okay. Coming in. So Lady Abstract asked a few questions. Here's number one. If anybody wants to pick it, cool. If you don't have an answer for it, cool. Um, How much money does this cost? Not sure what it is. Um, She said, do any of you realize the wealth disparity amongst black artists? And then she followed that with, there are people starving. Any chance to talk about politics and art? Hmm. That's a lot. That's (laughs) a lot. Well, I I have something to add to that because, Mm -hmm. and this is sort of what I experience here in the greater Hartford area, because once again, 
I didn't really know I could be an artist. So I'm a visual artist too, and this space is an art space. And so I didn't know I was a part of the arts community because I just did art. And there is an arts community which is tied to the politics of art in a community. And when I started to hang around with other artists in this community, I found out that there were certain artists in this community tied to like the Arts Council Foundation and they get grants to do their art. Mm -hmm. And so they submit proposals in order to get funding to produce their art, mm -hmm. whether it's going to be a play or an installation. So that's at the local level and that's also at the state and the national level. So it's artists that know how to write grants, do the politics to get the funding to produce their product. I'm not on that track in the same way. And because as a nonprofit leader, I run the conference of churches also, I've seen what the experience of the grant hustle can do to your work. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, when I was running the conference of churches more traditionally before we created our social enterprise, it was all about, okay, a request for a proposal. We need nonprofits to produce Blah, blah, blah. Take care of 20 blind, left-handed children. We can do that for $5,000. Okay. And you really can't do it. And the act of taking that money sometimes snuffs out your creativity and the best product you can make for people. And so I understand arts and politics. I have friends that are good at it. They have the personal constitution to do it. I know that I can't really mix my visual art self or my writing art self with the grant making politics yeah. of it, I don't have the constitution. I would be too hurt. Yeah. And you do get hurt when you're going after that money. There's a lot of rejection mm -hmm. and I don't want to mix the rejection with my art. Mm -hmm. So I'm a social enterprise kind of person. I'm going to hold on to the hustle and selling my stuff and producing another kind of way. Mm -hmm. So she, she is Patrick here. No. He, oh, yes. 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 Yeah. Welcome. Patrick's Patrick. here. Patrick. My man. Da, 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 da. So real quick before you snatch my sure? camera. Um, so she, you're not even in the frame yet. So. He's in my oh, frame. Right. Right. So, so she, so um, Lady Abstract added to the question. She was saying um, what she was referring to was our work can be taken and stolen and appropriated. Oh, yeah, that's true. I'm concerned about protection of the art when it's created. The hustle is real, and I know so many who don't hustle and still make it. I guess she wants some thoughts on that. Mm -hmm. The, Here, the, the idea of, I don't know, the idea of people that don't hustle but still make it. I, to me, I, I, don't, I don't really know anybody that has made it that hasn't put some kind of work in. Right, like I don't know anybody that has really made it and hasn't put the work in, and I know a lot of people that hustle every day. What is happening? Patrick's like, not I'm like, am I supposed to answer the question? I'm, no. I'm responding. Okay, I'm sorry. Patrick's like, you heard me, but you can repeat if you want to. I'm sorry. I was having a problem with technology because I just walked in the door. Okay. Like my friend, I thought she was my friend, but she's shaming me. She's shaming. Okay, so no. So no, I'll go back to what I was saying. What yeah. I was saying is because one of the things that she said is people who don't hustle but still make it. I I personally don't know anybody that hasn't put work in that's made it. I feel like everybody that I, unless they come from old money, <laughs> unless they're people who come from money. Um and I, I think that's definitely something that I guess is an individual opinion. Like I don't look at I'm not one of those artists that look at other people's art and say, Oh, that's garbage or that's not good. I think we're all different. 
Um, and I'm just not in, in a space of, of like really looking at other people and what they're doing. I kind of stay in my own little world. And when I say that, it doesn't mean I'm not involved with other artists, but I really don't spend a lot of time and energy focusing on what other people are doing as far as career. Like, I feel like if I'm going to do something, I need to put my energy into that and, and affect and pay attention to the people who are with that mm. versus paying a lot of mind and energy to something outside of that. Um, so throwing shade and haters and that type of, like I hear that language all the time and I just don't, I don't flow with it. I don't personally. So the idea of somebody really like making it, but not hustling, I personally don't know that. So I, I, I don't know. I can't speak on that. Um, politics, I like, like, I don't I don't really get involved with politics either. I'm I'm more of a social artist. I don't really like to get cuz I would be hurt too. Mm-hmm. Like what? <laughs> what? You're rejecting me again? Like yeah. I'm 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 a very emotional person. Um I am very passionate about my work and it doesn't mean I won't go outside of that, but I don't get too too involved in the politics either. So a lot of the questions that um Lady Abstract mm-hmm. is yeah. asking I'm I'm like they're they're outside of my realm and I'm gonna be honest with that. Just my opinion on the whole, you know, hustling and making it or not hustling and making it that I don't know anybody that hasn't yeah. hustled. Right. So Lady Abstract she she agrees that like white artists and fair people of color that come from money like that, she she agrees with that part, but she wants to make it clear that like this wasn't about hating. Uh she, she, she I guess she was just asking the question about like just Oh no, I wasn't yeah. saying she was hating. I'm just I I'm just saying in general, like if we're if we're talking about politics on the outside, but the the idea of somebody, like just just saying that somebody she knows people. I don't know anybody, right? Like, yeah. I, she knows people obviously that have. I I don't know anybody that hasn't had yeah. to hustle. Um, and I, I the I only reason I brought up the hating and and that is because it's something that comes up very often. I know we talked about it during the podcast, and just it comes up very often in this world. And it's something that I don't really flow well, even even with the comparisons. Like I see a lot of comparison going on between artists, and that's part of the politics. That I'm just like, nah, we're just different. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm not competing right. with any other artist. So that's yeah. kind of where that came from, but not in a direct she's hating type of thing. Not, not not at all. But it's a challenge when you're an artist because even in ministry, which is an art form, you're producing <clears throat> messages, you're creating these inspirational events and encounters for people. So. You have to be careful because you have to protect your vessel that produces. And so when I'm talking about my visual art, when I'm talking about my ministry art, I've got to be careful to protect this vessel because I am a sensitive human being. I do get hurt. Um, it's hard to be to put yourself out there when you produce your art, whether it's a preaching message, whether it's a painting, and you share it with the world, there's always the possibility of you getting that rejection or the critique that could be crushing to your spirit. Mm. And the more you allow your spirit, your creative spirit to be crushed, there's that high possibility that your art could be killed. And that is the ability to produce the visual art, the ability to preach the sermon, the ability to sing the song. And so we've gotta be really careful what we let in because Mm -hmm. our being, our emotions, our intellect, our heart, as it gets crushed, we can't produce. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know how people go out in the harshness of the arts world because there are harsher levels. Mm-hmm. There's a higher price you pay for the level of critique 
you experience and the level of rejection you experience. Mm -hmm. So you've got to say something about those that can be on the big stage and still produce and create. Yeah. Because you're being ripped apart every day. Mm -hmm. And that affects your instrument. Right. So I want to answer the question that Lady Abstract had, but while you're on that, somebody did have a question for you. I think it was a a seat at our table. Shout out to y'all. They wanted to know... As a pastor, how do you deal with haters without cussing them out? (laughs) I'm pretty sure that was the question verbatim. (laughs) Well, I try not to cuss. (laughs) Just out. Just just. (laughs) try not to cuss. Part of what we try to do is love people. And so, you know, I've got some haters right now, but the haters make me stronger. So in some ways, it's a little sick game of mine because those who are the most um, judgmental and rough around the edges and hurtful make me rise up better. Because you know what? When people critique you, there might be a thread of something in there that you could be a little better or tweak something a little more or work on this. So I'm self-reflective. So I try to look at what am I doing and then... I also take a look at the person, and as I really study people, I can kind of see what's going on with them. Are they in a struggle? Hmm. My haters usually find something in my reflection that they don't like about themselves. Mm. So then I'm going to look and see what's going on with them. Mm. Are they uncomfortable? Do they not feel good about themselves? Are they struggling with their existence? And so they just need a little bit more love because there's something about me showing up that brings something out in them. And it's not really about me. Mm -hmm. It's really about what's going on with them. And so you kind of take it as the the pool that we end up in. (laughs) I'm I'm glad you said that. And I'm glad they brought up like, because I don't want to, I don't want to spend the whole time talking about haters because I don't even like the term haters. But what you just said, a few years ago, I was a keynote speaker with one other young lady and the conversation of this came up and she said something that sticks with me all the time. Um, Haters are actually admirers with misdirected admiration. Wow. Because usually if somebody is hating Mm -hmm. on you, there's something for them to envy yeah. and it doesn't mean it doesn't mean you're like you're you're the ish let me not curse because it was gonna i was gonna say something else but it doesn't mean you're you know you are the ish it just means um they have some things like you said that they have to work through and it has nothing to do with you and i think a lot of times we pay a lot of attention to that type of thing but if we learn to not take things so personally all the time because most of the time it has nothing to that's do with key. us that's key so i love the fact that you addressed it that way and said maybe they just need a little more love or they're seeing a reflection in me that they don't that that's huge because a lot of light is shined right now on that and i feel like we spend too much time focusing on what other people think especially with social media so right right it's like I got this many likes and why? Why is any of that relevant right now? What are you doing in the world? Absolutely. So I'm glad that that was addressed and I'm glad they asked that question. So I wanted to go back to Lady Abstract's questions about art and politics because I do consider myself a political artist, Mm -hmm. especially with my poetry. Um, But also like, okay, so to touch upon the protection part, because I, I get what you're saying about appropriation and all that, but 
so to protect your own art there are things you can actually do to protect your art or your writing or whatever it is that you're creating you can go and trademark a name you can go and copyright what it is that you're doing um so those are ways that i would those are like practical ways i would suggest you can you can even copyright or trademark if i'm not mistaken it's one of those this is where i need andre here um a body of artwork like your paintings you can say this is this series and then your copywritten and if it ends up on somebody's t-shirt you can bring them to court because that's your work so there are practical things that you can do out there to protect whatever it is that you're creating um i do judge other people's work like i absolutely judge other people's art because I don't see judgment only as a negative thing. Shout out to Olusanya Bay. He's the one that like reframed my mind around this. We need judgment. You need judgment to survive. You need to know if something is good for you or bad for you. And that requires judgment. Um, and I do feel, I, I, I feel what it is that like um, Alicia is bringing up, um, Lady Abstract, uh, about, about seeing people that might not look like they're working that are still making it. And it's due to things like that, like appropriation or stealing ideas. And mm -hmm. for me, I've seen plenty of artists, whether they're on Instagram or not, that get their images stolen mm -hmm. and it ends up on somebody's t-shirt and they're so making true. a profit off of it. Yeah. So because I maybe don't have access to like somebody that can do t-shirts for me, somebody can just take my stuff and run with it and be, and, and, that, and then that becomes a question of access. That becomes a question of, who is more believable? Is it the person that has the money that's like doing all these things and is popular and has the likes mm -hmm. and the followers and all this and that? Or is it the person that's like, you stole my drawing? You know what I mean? So so for me, there's no separation between art and politics um, along with like personal life and politics. It's all combined to me. Um, so I think every artist has a responsibility to respond to what's happening politically because there's no, it's like, it's like a fish trying to escape the ocean. Like you can't, we are living in this. And whatever it is that's happening out there is gonna be affecting you. It's gonna be affecting your clients. It's gonna be affecting the kids you work with. There's no leaving it outside. It's not outside, it's here, it's right now, it's in this room. Um, so I, I feel like we have a responsibility to respond to it and at least be cognizant mm -hmm. of what's happening around us. Mm -hmm. um, whether you respond to it or not, that's on you, or how you respond to it is on you, but um, yeah, that's a long response to it, but yeah. Yes. Um, to that, I'll add that, like, like Zulina said, um, just protect your intellectual property with the practical ways of just protecting that because your art is intellectual property. I can speak a little bit on this because my poems are kind of political as well. Um, but recently I just finished working with a politician and I was using my skills, my artistic skills to create um, photography, images, video editing just for her political campaign. And sometimes you put in four hours of work, you send it over to her and she's like, I don't like it. I'm, I put in four hours of work and you're just going to deny me like that. But, you know, one of the things that the military taught me is self-discipline and bearing. And um, to Elisa's point, you can't take these things personally because it has absolutely nothing to do with you personally. It has to do with the individual that you're doing the art for. Um, so whatever opinions they may have on art, there's always going to be somebody's opinion, especially if you're an artist. You're going to have nothing but opinions, mm -hmm. whether it's good opinions or bad opinions. You're going to have feedback. 
and how you handle that feedback is important. Yeah. If you get for that bad feedback and you take that and you say, okay, this is what I need to do to change to get better, then that's fine. But if you take bad feedback and you say, nah, this guy's a hater, this guy doesn't want me to grow, this guy, and there's going to be people like that, but it's up to you to distinguish who's going to be able to give you constructive criticism versus those people that are going to just completely trash you. And um, to go on the topic of like making it and hustling or just fake it till you make it, like eventually if somebody steals a piece of art from you, they're going to be promoting your intellectual property. It doesn't matter if they're making all this money off of you, sooner or later, they're going to need to come back to the source because they don't have the gift. Right. You know, so the source is you. It's mm. your art. So sooner or later, he could fake it. He could make a million dollars off of one painting that he put on a couple of T-shirts. But when people start asking for more, he's going to be hit. Yeah. He or she it's is going to be hit. You know, like you're not... People tend to overanalyze and overthink what if this, what if that, and they don't move because they want everything to be perfect. Sometimes it's good to just take the risk, go out there and to the unknown and just do and see what happens. If you fail, cool. You learn your lesson. If you succeed, awesome. That's something that you keep going in. Um, so, yeah. Really quick to speak on what you just said about them, the, that, that person who stole your work having to come back to the source. Just if you haven't yet, there's a movie. Have you guys seen Big Eyes yet? Mm-mm. Yes. There is a movie called Big Eyes. It is based on a true story, and that is exactly what happened mm-hmm. in this movie. Mm-hmm. This is, I want to say it was back in the 50s or something mm-hmm. like that. And there was a married couple, and the, she, the woman, was the artist. And everybody at first didn't see her art as this big thing, but eventually it caught somebody's eye, and it was the right person. And the husband who had married her and started claiming these pieces as his own. And this went on for, I want to say, 10 to 15 years. Mm-hmm. And she's slaving away, and he had the source. So it wasn't, mm-hmm. he had the source. He was married to the wow. source. But this poor woman lived 15 years in, in with this man. But you got to watch it. You got to see this movie because it speaks directly on that, having to come back to the source. So, yes, it is your intellectual property, and we should protect it, and people will try to steal it. But nobody can do what you do right. the way you do it. Absolutely. But then I, I want to talk about energy, and I think it goes back to protecting this vessel. And you can't fight all the time. Right. Just because you copyright it, just because it's your intellectual property, do you, can you afford the lawyer? Can you afford the fees? Can you afford the time to be in court? And so in some ways, it's that discipline of controlling yourself around a lot of these issues and a lot of these energies. And one of the things I look at, the scripture says there's nothing new under the sun. Oh. Are there really any new ideas? Right. Aren't we all stealing? So I mean, true. you take in, you take in. I mean, I'm influenced by other mm-hmm. artists. Mm-hmm. And so there's something of them that I take in. Am I copying them? I'm not trying to, but you take in so many sources and it does influence your productivity. So I try not to be a copycat, but we're all influenced. Like you listen to music and did the person actually copy somebody else's music or was it just sort of a rift on? It went inside their ethos, their being, and all of a sudden they're creating a similar tune. And in preaching, that's an art form. Every preacher will tell you they're listening to other sermons. Mm -hmm. And then in that midnight hour when they got to produce something, they get a click. Was it the Holy Spirit or was it the essence of T.D. Jakes? You know, it's like, 
It's creativity. It comes from a variety of sources. Was it purely yours or was it somebody else's? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but nobody can be exactly you. So, you know, you kind of look at it that way. And once again, mm. guard your energy because yeah. a lot of this stuff is toxic and you've got to be careful. Mm-hmm. The fights you take up and the things you're jumping into. Mm-hmm. Life is short. And I don't want to spend time on a lot of that kind of stuff when I just want to produce. Yeah, pick and I choose. I my work. Pick and choose your battles wisely. Yeah. Pick and choose them wisely. Mm-hmm. Um, a seat at our table says, word. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> Were there any other questions that came up? No, I just wanted to like bring up. I'm not sure if you saw this, uh, but uh, Kion said, uh, Kion said, appropriated and created rhyme. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Um, Ashley's judging me. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, um, but no, uh, I think people, like, people, uh, people just kind of like, like, are just like allowing the conversation to flow. Cause it's like really dope stuff. Like there's arts. Uh, there's been a lot, a lot of hearts coming in, so like, obviously the feedback is good, uh, but no other questions right now. Okay, okay. excellent. Did y'all have any questions of each other? Because some of y'all said you listen to each other's episodes. Well, yeah. we all did our homework. Yeah, yes. I, I listened to I'm both. Not proud of this girl. I did. I listened to both podcasts, and I was like, oh snap, this is gonna be. Too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. And it's very different too. Like all, all. It, the, the, that's that's the thing that I love um, about this type of what you're doing because it's so diverse. All of us are completely different, but there are also similarities. Mm. Like I, I listen to each of us, um, you know, talking about you know some of the disparity that we went through or some of the difficulties that were faced. You know, in in the time of progressing to where we are, and even just you talking about how you did have to take that leap of faith and you lived with no money for three years. And, and now here you are 20 years into your career and you are thriving. And so for artists that are up and coming or creatives, they don't necessarily have to be visual artists, but creatives, entrepreneurs, people that have ideas and they're sitting in them like, Shh, what do I do with them? You know, um, seeing a room full of people who are actually moving in those ideas. You know what I mean? And listening to, to everybody here, knowing that all of us are either we've been in that or we're or we've moved past that but everybody's at a different stage of it so i just really enjoyed um the similarities and differences between Mm -hmm. all of us i don't necessarily have questions i think that um i I think just listening to the podcast all the questions were answered yeah so it was like you know just listening and kind of seeing where other people are and seeing how each one of us grow differently but the one thing that i did want to say was i love the creativity of entrepreneur but <laughs> like I did, I love that, and I'm glad That's it like came up. Like in the description of his podcast, but, he has right. coined the term "entrepreneur." I, I love the creativity of the word, but I, I just with what you're doing, I just, I just really feel like you know, and this is just an opinion. I just really feel it. like you I should move it. in Absolutely. that. It's, it's yours, and I think that you should definitely own it. It's Absolutely. yours. That entrepreneur business is. That's for somebody else that's sitting there thinking and not moving. You know what I'm saying? But I love it. You should coin it. I think you should get some money off of that word. Trademark. Trademark. Put it on t-shirts. T-shirts. That's right, haters. Yeah, really. So, yeah. That's hilarious. Did anybody else have questions? Um, Like, both both of your podcasts impacted me because it was just a sense of wisdom just coming through really to be honest um the reason that i love this so much was because you can see both of you 
um, going through a transition where you suffered a lot, how you dealt with that suffering, and the results of what you did after you finished suffering. So between all of us, and I'm sure with you as well, and even Pat, like we've all gone through some sort of stages of suffering um, to be able to be where we're at right now. And then where we want to get to, mm. you know, like there's going to be even more suffering that we're going to have to endure. So it's like just encouraging and inspiring to me to be able to see individuals like yourselves, to be able to just go out there without no worry in the world whatsoever and just do what you have to do. Mm. Preach to whoever you need to preach, paint to whoever you need to paint. That encounter that you say you were having between individuals that you paint, like that touched me because some of the reasons that I do what I do is because I have this introvert characteristic where I don't like people. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't like... Like, I'm... I'm, I'm sorry. Like, I'm I just don't being like honest. People. Like, I don't like... I don't like people. Like, real talk. And... Yo... I don't... I don't know if that, like, qualifies as a characteristic. Like... But I don't even know, honestly, that's in the first And I love oh. it. Curmudgeon is... Curmudgeon. Curmudgeon. No, but it's a, a characteristic of being introverted. He's like, I just it, don't it like is. It is a characteristic. Like, think about it. You don't want to be around people. Oh, and here's why. Here's why. Thank you. Because people have hurt me before right and i know that in every single person there's going to be some sort of hurt mm. right so when i interact with any human being it doesn't matter how nice of a person you are at the end of the day within time the surface personality that we all have i'm sure after five years we're together and we start talking we start just conversating we're gonna find something that annoys us about each other mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying something that we don't agree with something that we just can't stand about the other person so as you grow as an individual with other individuals you start seeing hey there's something about me that i need to change or there's something about this person that he's telling me something that i need to change and you start growing in that and i figured that out after i got out of the military when it was really hard to mesh with people um and i realized like damn it's going to take every fiber and bone in my body to be able to interact with people. So when I meet individuals like yourself, it's like, wow, not everybody's garbage. <laughs> not everybody's trash. You know, like there are nice people out there that mm -hmm. want to make an impact in your community. And for being in an institution that just wants to, like a church that wants to just Praise the Lord, Tuesday, Thursdays, and Sundays, and not do anything with the community to be able to hear about what you're doing with the community and everything that you're doing. It's like, wow, there are people that are taking faith-based organizations and doing what they're supposed to do biblically. Instead of taking people in, taking their money, preaching to them so that they can continue to come mm -hmm. in, it's deception right. and power control. So when I realize that, it's like, wow, let me expand my circle of people that are around me. I need to cut off some family members. I need to cut off some friends. Mm. It's hard. It's difficult. You know what I'm saying? But it doesn't mean um, that you don't like them. It doesn't mean that you dislike them and you don't want to be with them for the rest of your life. It just means that in that season, 
you can't be around them. You probably be around them at another season, but this season it's time to cut them off. That that's a good segue into talking about the circle because I think that's something that came up a little bit in everybody's podcast as mm-hmm, well. Mm-hmm. Paying attention to your circle and the people that you have around you yes. because realistically, you know, you can hear this a million times, but until you experience it yourself, it's something else. You hear people say all the time, "Oh, you know, when you when you level up." you're going to see people start falling off, Mm -hmm. right? What exactly does leveling up mean? It means different things for different people. For some people, it might mean money. For some people, it might mean, you know, you gain some success in your career or, you know, you're going to get another degree in school and you start to see the shift and change. Now, a lot of times we take it personally. Most of the time, it's not even a personal thing. It is people just change. We grow, we're on different frequencies. You know, we grow in different levels. And sometimes what attracted you to a person, once you heal past that, Mm. and they're still Mm. in it, Mm -hmm. because this is real, this is real, this is family, this is friends. When you meet people sometimes and and you connect with them and you fall in love with them, whether they be a friend or or romantic, whatever it is, you are on the same level of I don't want to say brokenness because it's not always brokenness, but you're on the same frequency. Mm-hmm. And then at some point, somebody's going to start to elevate past that. Somebody's mm-hmm. going to start to heal through that, right? And when that happens, that other person will be like, whoa, you too good for me now? Like, that's what happens. Right. You're too good for me now. Um, or, you know, you're saying things to me that don't compute. And it's not that they're not listening to you. They really can't understand because they're not on the same frequency. So instead of us saying, oh, they think that they're better than me or I think that I'm it's not it's never that sometimes we just need to know when to say when and let go of people and it is family sometimes Mm -hmm. and it is your closest friends and it just means the same thing that she just said about protecting your your space protecting your energy protecting this is your vessel right you only get one I mean, I've never heard of a body transport. I've never heard of somebody, tra- you know, you can't do that. You get one body. You get you get this chance right now. Nobody knows what happens before or after. I mean, we all can speculate what happens before and after this lifetime, but we're here right now in these bodies, and we have to protect them. And sometimes it means letting go so that you can bring in the right things. And that's what happened last year. I talked about that in the podcast. Last year, I let go of everything that I thought was important to me. And this year, the things that have been coming to me are unbelievable. So the, the idea of letting go, and, and most people, honestly, are not garbage. I know, I know you. <laughs> I know. That's what, that were my thoughts. Most that people, my thoughts. Most that people are not garbage. It just, right. you know, when you get taken advantage of and when you, you think get hurt, you get to that yep. space where, so you know, true. healing is necessary and, yep. you know, all people are garbage. Yep. And the whole idea of not liking people is there's a difference between not liking people and just not liking to interact because mm-hmm. there's no commonalities or you're not, you know, um, because when I started, when I got into art, it was because I had social anxiety bad. But in my marriage, I was very disconnected from people. I was very sheltered. Mm-hmm. So I really didn't know how to mm-hmm. interact with people. I met my ex-husband when I was 13. Wow. And we were together for 15 years. So wow. he was all I knew. Right. Um, and so I really didn't go out much or do much. It was just like, I'm home. I became a wife and a mom and all that other stuff. And then when it came time for people to talk to me, I was like a deer in headlights. Mm-hmm. And so when I got away from that relationship and I started to really interact with people... Art was the thing that made me comfortable. Oh, I don't want to talk about me, but you want to talk about my art? Mm. Oh, I can tell you where that came from. 
or I'll body paint and I'm literally connecting. The reason why I love body painting, a lot of people see it as this erotic thing. No, for me, it's human connection. Right. I'm literally sharing energy with this person. Have I got some not so great energy? Sure. And then I just go home and I cleanse, you know, I do some saging and some other stuff. <laughs> but most of the time, that is not my experience. Most of the time... It's a healing for both of us. It, it is a, always a very positive exchange. So the whole not liking people, I used to think that. Mm-hmm. But I actually really love people. I don't love all people. Some of them I will love from a distance <laughs> because that's very important. But interaction yes. is something that I thrive off of that yes. now. It's well, something I used to run from, but now I thrive off of it. Yes. One of the things I didn't mention here, but I practice yoga. And yoga has taught me the ability to be more of an observer and to be more one with myself Mm. and one with God Mm. and on my own private journey. And so spending time on the mat means you just really focus on you. Mm -hmm. And it helps you grow in your own self-acceptance because for many years I didn't really accept myself. You know, growing up as a black person in a place like Connecticut... And I grew up in Norfolk and Torrington, so it was a really rejecting environment. So to have all that toxic rejection in your life, and then I was a chubby child, you know? So to have all that can be self-rejecting. So yoga has helped me get in touch with who I am and be one with me and study myself and be centered in myself and not be so focused on what's going on on the mat to the left or the right. I don't care if she can put her foot around her neck interesting (laughs) that's not me hey look at what you're doing that's not me and so what I've learned in yoga about being able to observe myself and others allows me to be in the world with all kinds of people and observe but not necessarily take everybody all the way in Mm -hmm. and so that's a discipline of mine here at the eco space because We're striving to be a community of all kinds of people. Now, my staff sometimes say, you know, you're taking this radical hospitality really far because it's about welcoming everybody in. But I welcome them in and I'm an observer. I love everybody because I'm not taking them all in. Mm -hmm. I'm loving them in an accepting kind of, you're a human. I'm sending you some love. I'm loving you. But I'm not all in your story. And so when I talk about protecting my art and protecting Mm -hmm. the instrument, it's about I'm more comfortable now on this journey with me. Mm. I'm on this journey with me and people come and go, hey, good to see you. But I'm protecting this. And because you're protecting and cultivating yourself, you know what you will and will not let in. Because I've got to learn to deflect. Right. I've got to protect the instrument. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in my podcast, I mentioned that I went through a very tough season in the marriage that I was in. And of course, I loved my husband. I loved him originally. That's how we got into the thing. Mm-hmm. But I started to see along the way that if I stayed with him, I was going to have to die. Exactly. Physically, yep. emotionally, spiritually, in order to stay with him, I was going to die. And really, the Spirit of the Lord said to me, you need to save your ministry. Because if I stayed with him, I was going to even really have to snuff my ministry. Make it smaller so he'd be comfortable. Snuff my art. He didn't like my art. Snuff my art. Snuff the things I was doing. I first got the vision of the 224. He came and took a look at it. And he said, this is too much for you. 
So I knew I had to get away from that situation so I could be me, so I could be all Mm -hmm. I could be. Mm -hmm. And I really look at life as a calling. I'm called to create. I'm called to create art. I'm called to produce. I'm called to preach. That's who I am. So anybody that tells me I have to play small for them to be comfortable, because in my in that relationship, he wanted me smaller so yep. he would feel better. Yep. Mm. And Same. nobody nobody will ever Security. be in mm-hmm. nobody will ever be in my space like that again. Because I have a responsibility as a steward of this one life. Mm-hmm. This is the one life I've been given. I've been born into purpose. I have certain gifts. I have certain abilities, and I don't know how much time I have, but I'm here to produce out of Shelly. That's it. And that's my responsibility to be a good steward of all the gifts and creativity, the divine, the cosmos, the universe God has given me. And I ain't looking to the left, and I ain't looking to the right. I'm going to focus on me and what I can produce out of this life. That's it. And so that's what I'm trying to maintain. I see people coming, hey, hey, I see people come, but I'm working on my own mat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't even, I, hey, I can say hello to anybody and smile at them. It doesn't mean that they're going to be my best friend, but I can give them some human dignity and respect. That's it. But I don't have to get all in the boat with them. Nor do I even have to tell them what I think. I've learned that now that I'm in this stage of life. Wow. When I was younger and I heard something I didn't like or I disagreed with somebody or my point of view was different than theirs, well, no, it's got to be blah, blah. And I get into debates with people and da 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 and explain my point of view. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm such a good friend up here with me. I can look at somebody. I'm in the room. They saying something that's a bunch of garbage. And I just go... I'm not subscribing to that. I don't even say your mind. No, no, in your mind. I'm like, I'm not subscribing to that. I'm gonna let them speak their truth. And I'm gonna stay right over here. And I don't even have to tell you. No, I don't agree. That's wrong. Or now, if they're saying something that's rude or hurtful to somebody else, I am a defender. I might say, you know, that was a little harsh. But no, I can disagree. Especially in this work called religion that I'm in, there's a lot of theologies I don't agree with, mm. and I don't always fight people on it. Mm. It's like, okay, I ain't going to that service. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. You know, I'm not signing up for that. What is it? The phrase, the phrase that I like to use is protecting your peace at all costs. Protecting your peace at all costs. And as creatives? And we, we have to. We have to. And we're responsible mm-hmm. for it. Because if you look, and this is another thing we talked about, if you look at the creative world, whether you're a writer, a musician, a dancer, an artist, more creative people die by their own hands. And I'm not right. only talking about suicide. We could talk about suicide. I mean, There's humans, all kinds of suicide. Right, right. Humans on all levels suffer every day with different things. But creatives, because of, and I can only speak on this as a creative, because of the way our minds work, because of the way our spirits work, we just... We absorb things differently. We yes. process things differently. And so for us, creating is a form of prayer. It is a p- form of meditation. It is a form of medication. And if we don't do it, so right. if we don't do it and we don't do it frequently and we don't do it when it's necessary, we become ill. We become ill in the mind. We become ill in the spirit. And a lot of people don't understand that. Like they see, you know, a lot of people, there are days when I get up and I'm like, not, I don't, now, in the beginning I was like, oh, why? Why did you give me this? Because people think being an artist is cute. We wake up every day. Oh, you get to paint every day? It's not cute. It's a really heavy responsibility. And that's not me complaining because I love being an artist. 
I love creating. I love inspiring other people. I love what I do every day. But it's a heavy responsibility, especially when people start to see you. Right? And you're in your world, protecting your peace, doing what you do. You're not even... I'm not... Think, I'm not, it's not that I'm not thinking about the people that are watching what I'm doing, but I'm doing what I do because I feel like it's my purpose. I'm doing it because I love it. Celebrities, my God. Right. I think about celebrities who every day have to live their lives. They're regular people just like us. They're creatives. They have, they're creatives. Mm-hmm. They live every single day in, front of the world. in the limelight. Every day. <laughs> people chewing on them, People chewing them, on them, them constant, constantly firing at them. And they're everyday people, just like everybody else. They're creatives. And we're super sensitive. What does Erica Badu say? I'm about to curse. We are artists. I'm an artist and I'm sensitive about my shit. We're sensitive, but there is a point when we learn to also somehow hone that, that sensitivity. Because if you walk around sensitive all the time... <sighs> You're just going to be a hot mess. Right. Right? So this is part of protecting your peace. So the creatives were just very sensitive, and, and creating is our medicine. And so when that process is interrupted, we start to become loose. Right. You know, and I, I'm just speaking from my own. I've, I've dealt with depression. I lived with depression for almost half my life. And for me, um, it was definitely a spiritual battle. Like, there are some people that have medical Depression. Mine wasn't medical. Mine was spiritual. When I discovered that, I took the steps I needed to correct it. Not everybody has the ability to do that. But creatives in general, we have to create. Mm -hmm. And the reason why so many creatives die by their own hands with all these different forms of suicide, whether it be physical, spiritual, mental, whatever kind of suicide it is, is because they're not honoring their purpose. They're not moving in what they're supposed to do. Absolutely. If you were meant to create then you damn well better create. Mm-hmm. Because the more you fight that, the, the harder your life is going to be. And so this is where the faith comes in. That whole jumping, that, that That's taking faith. that... You got I to. took that leap because I was in a space that I knew if I didn't, I was going to die. Right. Mm. I was going to die. But when you think about being a creative creative, you know, if we believe in the divine, you know, God as creator... There's something about that energy of being creative and manifest from vision and spoken word in the beginning. You know, he, God spoke and then it came into being. And as creatives, it's vision and we make it happen. That's it. And so there is a spiritual and divine connection to what we do. And it does make sense that for many of us, there are suicide by various forms. Even in ministry, there's a high rate of ministers, and we're creatives. We got to produce sermons all the time. It's creative. That's storytelling. Large groups of large people. Large groups of people. Public speaking is the thing that kills or scares most people. So a lot of ministers struggle with depression as well. They're creatives, and then they're being attacked all the time by their congregation. It's not like everybody's happy that you're there preaching. You're ruffling people's feathers. Mm-hmm. And so when we look at this life of artistry. Yeah, we commit suicide either because of our mental health issues, we over-medicate, mm-hmm. how many creatives end up eating themselves to death, drinking themselves to death, drugging, sexing, all these things of self-medicating because we're struggling with our purpose. Instead of living into that mm-hmm. person and being purpose mm-hmm. and being in the flow of the purpose, we fight it or we take the critique of other people so harshly we let critique kill us Mm. so if we don't take care of ourselves on our own mat the words of our witnesses will kill us because everybody's watching your stuff yeah we have to take a short break because instagram is counting down okay like 
Um, 20 seconds. 20 seconds that oh. we got left on this video. Okay. We're going to take a break. Okay. okay. IG. Instagram. We're going to start it up again. Right. So, so we're, we're still here on don't Facebook. We're still live we're streaming on Facebook. On Facebook. Yeah. Shelly D. Best Page. Shelly D. Best Page. We're still on Facebook Live. We're still We'll be right back, though. We'll be right back. See? One. I wanted to ask something related to, unless we wanted to keep on the, on the no, floor. No, we talked enough about suicide. No, I think we talked enough about it, but I do, I do want to, I, I do want to plus. It's a crazy way to start Suicide, that was enough. It's a crazy way to start a new video. Oh my gosh. I did want to, before we move into another subject, I did want to, um, another something that I watch outside of, I, I talked about big eyes, but there is a 20 minute um, TED talk. So if you have YouTube, TED, whatever, there's a 20-minute TED Talk by author um, Elizabeth Gilbert. She is the author of Eat, Pray, Love. Mm -hmm. It is called, I want to remember the exact title for it because she only has a couple TED Talks, but it is Your Elusive Creative Genius. Mm -hmm. And it is literally a 20-minute talk about the creative process and how daunting it can be and how we need to stop, we need to stop killing ourselves instead of just this it's it's nice just look that up elizabeth gilbert. elizabeth gilbert she is the author of eat pray love it's a 20 minute ted talk it's like 19 minutes and change it is something i listen to frequently and i get something different out of every time but it talks to creatives about being creative and how really we just need to show up and do our part and let god or whatever you believe come and do the rest so we can move on from there. I just want to make sure any creatives good, look that yeah. up. It's really important. All good. Drop those you know, it's interesting about being a pastor as a creative. Pastors are creatives because we preach. You have to manifest a message. It's storytelling. It's, you know, weaving together scripture and life. It is the creative process, you know, writing it out. But I tell you, one of the hardest things is to be able to produce every week on demand. Mm. Mm. That every Sunday morning, they're waiting for they're you. You got to show up with something new too. Something you don't new. come up with the last week. That's sermon. right. You can't come with last week. <laughs> and you I already got my blessing. And you cannot say in church, "I just didn't have nothing this week." No, you you got to bring it. Especially in our context so in the African American community, bring it. Yes. Bring yes. it. Be animated. Have a message. Have a story. Weave the thing together. Light us on fire. <laughs> Create on demand every week. Facts. And you know what? I love preaching, but I'm glad I don't have to paint on demand every week. Like every week I gotta have a painting. I'm glad that my paintings can come kind of the way I feel. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think it's also because I'm not earning a living from my painting. So I wonder with you, how is it to be so prolific and produce as much as you do? How do you keep yourself in the flow of producing? Mm. Um Cool. Good question. So one of those, it's very similar. It actually isn't that separate from how it is that you paint. Wow. I go with my flow. Okay. When I'm inspired by something, even if it's just me painting for 15 minutes, it's just to get something out. Um, I don't actually... So even when it comes to bigger pieces, I don't actually like spend as much time on them as people might think. So they'll see like the big... Uh, like the gorilla piece, for example, and think that I spent like 20 plus hours on that when really it was like eight or 10. And it was like, 
when I'm when that flow is calling to me, I jump in it and there is yeah. nothing else to exist yeah. in that moment. Like and it's not a moment because I know that I'm sitting there for like 10 hours. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And sometimes it is that where it's just one sitting and I get the peace out of me. And there's and for me, if you've ever been in the zone, which I'm sure y'all Love have, the food doesn't matter. Time doesn't matter. So not like nothing. Shut nothing. down. It doesn't matter. Because your matter. soul is being fed. Right. Yeah. So it's like so, so for true. me, busting out a lot of pieces, it's just because I am trusting that flow. Mm-hmm. Um and trusting that something needs to come out when when I haven't created for a long time, forget about it. Like I'm I'm gone for a few days, but but then I don't want to become a tortured artist either. So I intentionally try to dedicate time if if I can't do it daily, at least weekly, to painting. Mm. So I make it a habit. Like when people talk to me about the last time they did something creative, it's usually like years, and I'm like. Phew. If I went years without painting, if I went years without writing, performing something, oh, no, I can't. So it it seems like I'm doing it quickly, but really I'm using the same amount, almost the same amount of time as somebody would use if, if, like you said, you have that extra eight hours. If you sleep eight hours and you work eight hours, if you just use one of those extra hours that you had, you could do do the same thing as me. Yeah. Like, why Why couldn't you? If you're just giving it that time, if you're giving yourself that time where you're just in a flow, you're not on the phone, you're not talking to anybody, you're just there with your music, whatever, and you're just dedicating it to that thing, you, why can't you write a book in a year? So why can't you make a ton of paintings? Define flow, because we all, we creatives know what flow Ooh. is. Talk about flow. Flow is being in a zone with your creative, with your creation. It is you dedicating time to it where you are focused um, almost to the point of like a trance or being possessed. Yes. It's an out-of-body experience. It is. Yeah. It is. That's exactly what it is. it is. To me, it's like the holiest experience I experience. It is. Um, where it's just about that thing. It's not about anything else. I'm not thinking about anything else. It is just about the next brush stroke or the next word or the next mm-hmm. letter um depending on what it is that i'm creating uh and and that if when you're in flow you'll know because then when you get out of flow you just feel completely different for mm-hmm. me i feel like beat up because <laughs> if i'm standing or something i'm just aching i'm all busted and yeah. everything but i'm like that was good can't wait till the next time. <laughs> it's funny you talk about that. One of my first big um, body painting gigs was actually in 2009 at Yukon and Stores. Mm-hmm. Um, African Student Association hired me to come up there. They had a they had a cultural show happening, and they mm-hmm. wanted like tribal markings and African safaris on people's bodies. And I was by myself. Wow! And they were like, "Yeah, yeah, we need you to paint nine bodies in eight hours." And you know me being really ambitious and new to it, I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, I could do that." Okay, wow. so I'm up there, and I started, I don't even remember, it was somewhere around 9, 10 o'clock in the morning, and nine hours later, I'm still painting, wow. right? I'm still painting, and one of the students comes over to me, and he goes, are you human? And I said, what, why are you asking that question? He said, I have literally watched you paint since this morning. You have not stopped to pee. You have not stopped to eat, to drink, nothing. Yeah. Because I was in my zone and I knew what I was there to do and I knew I had to get it done. So once I, my soul was being fed. 
Mm-hmm. I was doing what I was meant to do in that in those nine hours. So until he said something to me, I wasn't even cognizant of the fact that I hadn't stopped to do any of that. Right. And then I was like, okay, I got to pee. I'm going to take a quick break. <laughs> but it took somebody else to come to me and say yeah. that because of that zone that you're talking yeah, about, yeah. because of that trance. Mm-hmm. It's really bizarre, but it's a thing. And any artist or writer knows exactly what we're talking yeah, about. Any, any creative person, any artist yeah. of any, any type knows exactly what that is. And you yeah. start to get there because of your own self-discipline. Mm-hmm. It starts out like in your early stages where you discipline yourself to work on something. Mm-hmm. But then when the art form has become you, mm-hmm. it's not even discipline. You click into the zone. Fast. Right. You don't have to. I'm not disciplined to produce. It's like, I can't wait to clear time. That's so it. I might have ritual to, to find a way to set aside. So mm-hmm. if I'm going to paint, it's like, okay, I'm going to have the whole day. I like to, I like to have nights going into days so it's like a whole day going into the night to like maybe 11 or 12 one o'clock two o'clock in the morning and then get up in the morning same outfit and then paint the whole day again mm. so to clear two days it means i might have some little snacks like some baby carrots and bottles of water might be in the studio okay so that's there and then it's like ugly outfit get it on and i might start up by just like staring at the blank canvas for a while even before I start, it's like my beginning. Like just to stare at a blank canvas. Stare at the canvas. And then I might go through my ritual of arranging my colors. And I got my colors and I arranged them. And oops, so we got a little problem here with my, uh, we're not going to accept that. So, <laughs> and so then I've got my little process where, you know, I'm arranging my colors. I've got them laid out. I see them in certain continua. And then I began, and it's like, click. And it's like, to get into that zone, and then it's like, okay, I've been standing all this time. Oh, a little bit longer, a little bit longer. Okay, I gotta sleep. Gotta sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's gotta exactly sleep. what it's like. Okay, gotta sleep so I can get up in the morning. Yes. <laughs> and keep going. And keep going. Yes. 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 Yeah. yeah. I haven't eaten since yes. 12 yesterday. Yeah. But yeah. I gotta, I gotta sleep eat. so I can get up. So yes. I can survive yeah. and paint some more. And then you get up the next day, same ugly outfit. Hopefully you don't have to be. Like, leave me alone. I don't want to talk to anybody. And so then, yes. get in again, click. And you know, when it's a project that you're just loving, I don't want to stop. I hope I can finish it in these two days. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. I don't want to leave it. I don't want to go back to this. And you don't want to force it either. No, right? I don't want to so force it. You start messing up.
face painting, this cute little thing that you do to mm-hmm. kids. You know, you turn them into Spider-Man or whatever. That's not fine art. It's just been one of my main sources of income mm-hmm. for the last 15 years. But it is a form of art. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I say that is because in the last 15 years, I have gone to seminars, conventions, taken classes. I have insurance. I have top-of-the-line products that I use for my face and body art. And when people ask me questions like, why is it so expensive? I have, I've, I've, I've actually gone to school. I've, I'm a professional. This is not something I just decided one day, oh, I'm going to do this. And I just flowed with it. I mean, a lot of what I do is self-taught, but even self-taught, like how self-taught are we? It comes from somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. Somebody's right. taught us something. True. So I, you know, there's an education. And even if an artist is not formally educated, they are getting their abilities from somewhere. It doesn't just come from out of nowhere, right? And there's a lot of time and energy that goes into this stuff. And for us, this is literally our baby. Mm -hmm. And this is us. This is us. This is a piece of us. And I might sound a little, you know, I I don't know what artists, some of you might sound a little crazy sometimes, but when we stand in front of these canvases, right? We stand in front of these canvases for however many hours, whether it be one or 40, Mm-hmm. It's ours. It is coming from us. It is a piece of us. When you go into work every day, right? If whether you work a nine to five, you're self-employed. If you work for another, if you have an employer and you walk into work, is it okay for your boss to look at you and say, um, can we cut your pay 50% today? Because your, your, uh, your salary is a little too steep for us. Like that's not a thing. You don't go into work and your boss asks for a discount. Right. That doesn't happen, mm. but people do that to us all the time. Mm-hmm. Oh, but we fam. Okay. My family should be the number one, you know. Supporter the, of this. You should be supporting works. me. Like, my family and friends should be supporting me. I don't ever ask my family and friends for discounts. I don't care if they're artists or not. If you run a catering business, you tell me what your price is. If you want to give me the family, family and friend discount, okay, you. cool. That's on you. But that's not what I'm asking for. Mm-hmm. I never go to people asking them for a discount. If they want to offer it to me, they can. So when you ask an artist for a piece of work, please don't ask them why it costs so much. Please don't ask them why it costs so much. Please. And I mean, you know, <laughs> just purchasing the canvas blank, just buying the canvas itself might be a hundred dollars. Might be seventy dollars for like the canvas with nothing on it. Mm. You know, the canvas with nothing on it could cost that. Right. So aside from the because you have the canvas, you have the paint, paint. you have the supplies, the, the brushes, the tools you need to paint. If you're multi, if it's a multimedia piece, that means you got all kinds of other stuff involved yes. in it too. There's a lot that goes. There's a lot of and the, There's a lot of soul that goes into this stuff. That and the do. studio and the electricity yes. and the water and the yes. little food you did eat while you were painting. <laughs> <laughs> and you know even when it comes to ministry and preaching so sometimes people feel like oh we shouldn't give them that much this let's just give them a little token we cannot pay you for what you've done this is just a token of our appreciation i can't tell you in the journey of ministry how many times i've gotten gift bags you know the goes, lord will bless that's you, right the lord will bless you <laughs> the lord will bless you but like in those three years when i was living out salary and i'd go out and preach that little bit of money made a difference, but mm-hmm. how many times would somebody give something like you wouldn't give any other professional this amount of money right. Right, for what they right. did? Right. And when you come and preach a sermon, it's not the half hour or hour of preaching. It's the fact that for most ministers, we put an hour of research and study for every minute. That, yeah. right? An hour yeah. for that. every minute. Right. So for the 20 minute sermon, there was 20 hours of study this week right. in order to produce that message. And then people are like, 
it don't take all that. You have to give them all that. Right. Mm. Just give them a gift card. Right. Let's take her to Red Lobster. That's mm. not enough. So part right. of it is just driven by <laughs> ignorance because people don't know what actually goes, goes into, into it. the creative process. Right. And that and that fuels those questions that that very question of like or not even question that comment of like, oh well no, like that oh that's just a little painting or something. Like I could do that. And it's then always like it. Well exactly. Well then why don't you do it? Go ahead. And I and exactly to what you were saying, the word that you use, a professional. You wouldn't char you wouldn't try to get a discount off of a professional. Somebody that's been doing this for ten plus years or twenty plus years, like you don't say, yo, can I get you know all I got is but like fifty dollars or something and it's like and if you don't have the cash, at least for me, I'm only speaking on me, barter with me on something that I want, on something that I need that will help me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that will add value to me. Somebody like tried to barter with me th- with their art. And I was like, guys, I make my own. I, like, don't, I don't, no offense, but like, uh-uh, uh-uh. But if you have like, but if you have something that like, that is valuable to me, like as an artist, so we're talking about venue spaces we're talking about recording spaces we're talking about recording equipment like if there's something like that that you know that i need or that i want that i can use that makes sense so think about it before you approach me because i'm an a-hole um like let's do that it's honest it's not oh (laughs) it's honest it is what it is i um yeah but so that too. Also, and. <laughs> friend. <laughs> Coming from the best friend himself. Yeah, I mean, you know. Yes, um, but nice. yeah, there's just there's just a lack of, of knowledge of what it is that goes into this. How much things cost, which, I, which I'm pretty sure one of my podcast episodes is going to be dedicated to. Like, just talking about the cost of things. So, as an example, like, my book, people are like, my book costs $25. Okay. But when I go to order a copy of my book from where I published it, it cost me $3 and some change just to get a copy. Then on top of that, I have to pay for it to get delivered to me. Mm -hmm. There's that. Then if you are not around, I need to mail it to you. There's a cost for that. I need to package it for you. There is a cost for that. I'm not actually making $25 off of the book. Same thing would go for a painting. It costs money for all the materials that you said. And there's emotional labor that goes into it, which everybody should get paid for. There's time that goes into it. Energy, knowledge, learning, messing up, relearning, all of that that goes into it that can be paid for, that for the most part, we don't get paid for back. So. And even what what she just said, even with, with, with planning for your sermon and doing research, we, we put time into research, Absolutely. too. Absolutely. If somebody is commissioning us for something, we have to study whatever this is that they're commissioning us to do, right? And then a lot of times at the risk of, eh, that's not really what I wanted. Right. But if you're commissioning an artist for something and you give them liberty, mm-hmm. pay them. Don't do that. Because I, 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 I've had the situation where somebody comes to me and they're like, I trust your vision. No, 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 no. Don't do that to me. If you trust my vision, pay me my money now. And when my vision is completed, I'm going to give it to you. Because when you say to an artist, I trust your vision, you are giving them liberty to do whatever it is that comes out of them. And there's no restrictions. If you have a commission and you have something specific in mind, be as specific as possible with that. This is why a lot of artists don't do commissions. 
because they fear that up oh, it's not going to be what the mm-hmm. client wants mm-hmm. and you know it, it takes it it's a different process to do a commission than to do a personal piece yeah. and going back to professionals the definition of a professional is a person who makes money doing whatever it is that they do so all of us are professionals so anybody coming to you saying Oh, you know, it doesn't take that much. The Lord is going to bless you because you're not a professional. You are, if you're making money doing something, you are a professional. Now, that can be subjective. Some people take it too far. Oh, I'm a professional. What does that mean? It means you make money doing what you do. But like you just said, I mean, anybody could be a professional, whatever. You can make stuff up. You can make stuff up. But most of us in our own right, you know, are professionals at what we do. Mm-hmm. And, and for people to honor that, it, it's really huge. Because when you go into your nine to five or whatever it is you do every day, you put work in. You sit at a desk, you turn on a computer, you had to go through training, you have to deal with an a-hole boss or whatever it is that you do. Think about us in the same way. We have to go through a lot of the same things, it's just in a different context. So when you when you are working with an artist or hiring an artist, think about all think about what you do on a daily basis at work. If you love your job, great. That's awesome. Anybody that loves their job. That's an amazing feat because most people don't, right? right? Most people can't say they love their job. If you go to work and you put work in, know that we're doing the same thing. We're putting work into. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, longer hours, most of the time longer hours. When you're an entrepreneur, we work 24-7 because even when we're sleeping, our brains are like... Working. So it's a lot. It's a lot. And I think that a different... You can't force people to respect you, but if you, when we talked about support, if you can't afford a piece of our art, share it. Ask about prints. Ask mm-hmm. about something smaller. Mm-hmm. If you want to support artists, there are ways to do it without having to spend right. a whole yeah. lot of money. Right. So true. But right. don't be disrespectful, though. Yeah. Seriously. Don't be disrespectful. Did any questions come up? Just one. Uh, just more people. Um. So, Cedar Table rejoined. Just Jesus eighty nine joined. The DNA Shop joined. Um. DNA Shop. Hakeem Zarif joined as well. Hola. Hi. So I had like two questions. First question, kind of a practical question. How do you keep track of your ideas? Do you write? Do you share with people? Do you just memorize your stuff and it's all up here? I, do you computer it? Yeah, I do. I, I write most of my ideas mm-hmm. and most of my poetry. Um, what's interesting is that um, for me... Uh, I like to keep an archive of, and this is just me, um, I like to keep an archive of just folders. I have literally been writing for the past five years, uh, and I've only performed a handful of times. Um, but all of this stuff that I've had that I've archived can potentially be projects that I could bring into fruition, you know what I mean? Projects that I could use. So for me, I guess documenting is the most important thing because it's not just it is an experience in the creative process itself when you go from beginning to end and then you see that finished product mm. but when you look at Instagram or I look back at my poetry and I look back at the years when I wrote it my mentality was different back then than it is now so you're documenting an entire what I like to say a poetic a poetic biography of yourself that you could look back and say, this is what I was thinking at this moment in time when I was going through this issue. You know, so I look at it as documenting my own history book. 
mm-hmm. through my poetry, okay. you know? And the same thing goes for Instagram, <clears throat> um, documenting everything that I'm doing, everything that I'm experiencing, or at the moment, how I want to inspire somebody. Um, and then you look back at it, and you have a, especially now with Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, you have an entire wall right. that you can look back at and see your progress. My first post on Bearded Egghead versus my most recent, completely yeah. different between day and night. Yeah. Because you're going through so much learning, you're adapting, you're grabbing from different influences, mm-hmm. and you're putting it into your art, and it's like... I love that process of creating. You know what I mean? I think it's just absolutely interesting. Mm-hmm. My idea is, um, so I'm, not, I'm nowhere near as, I definitely, social media is something that I, I don't necessarily document my ideas there, but I definitely document a little bit of everything on social media, mm-hmm. whether it be a thought, a quote, a selfie, whatever it is, a piece of art. Um, my ideas, um, I have a few different ways that I track them. I'm very visual, so... And my ideas usually come at the most inopportune times, you know, like while I'm driving or while I'm in the shower and, you know, like it's annoying. Why are you coming to me right now when I'm driving? I could actually tell you the scientific reason why that happened, but we'll go after. It's probably because you're in motion or whatever it is. I don't know. But, (laughs) but that it comes at the most inopportune times. Usually when I'm driving, usually when I'm in, in the shower. And the cool thing is, um, technology, right? I have an older iPhone, but it has the voice memo feature. Mm-hmm. So I'll literally get a visual of something. I literally was in my voice memos yesterday because I was like, I haven't checked them for a while. And there's three paintings in my voice memos that I need to go back to and actually sketch out mm-hmm. and create. Sometimes I'll sketch it out. My daughter, because I was complaining about the whole shower thing a few years ago, and my daughter actually got me like their aqua notes. So it's a it's a it's a notepad. You're changing my life. I swear to you, it's Aquanotes. It's a notepad. You stick it. It has a little sticky cup. Simplest thing. I think she got it from Amazon. You stick it to the shower, and it comes with two pencils and lip, and they're waterproof. Wow. I'm not kidding. You're changing my I'm life. Not you. What is it you're called? Changing what is it called? Life. They're called Aquanotes. And so while you're in the shower, Aquanotes. Three kings they present. And I think it comes in a few different sizes. And it was on Amazon, but she got me this thing. And aside from like. You know, the crayons that the kids write with on the walls in the shower, these aqua notes, like sometimes, usually it is a visual for a painting. If you're a poet, what? Get some, get some, listen, get some crayons, get some of the kids' crayons. I swear you just tag up your right walls on. and you wash it right off. Just tag up your walls in the shower. So if you're, if you're, um, you know, if you're one of those people that ideas come when you're in the water, in the mm-hmm. shower, in the bath, Get some bath crayons <laughs> for the kids or get these aqua notes. I swear to God. I'll be in the shower and then boom. I'm like, so I do that. And then and then you can tear them off and bring them with you. But it's Ooh, a waterproof my pad. Mind. It just blew my mind. Aqua notes yeah. is the name of it. Yeah. Yeah. Mind blown. Boom. We found it. Look. Oh. <laughs> See? It's a thing. So the scientific reason for why it is that we actually get and lose thoughts in the shower is because a shower is a habitual ritual thing. We usually do it at a certain time of the day every single day. So you usually shower in the morning or you shower at night, right? So what you're doing is you're, you're allowing your brain to essentially shut off at that time oh. which lets ideas flow much more easily through you it's like a meditation and in a cleansing too but it's yeah. unintentional mm-hmm. right so because we're doing that 
the idea comes and we're like, yeah. And then you're going out and you're like, you're getting out of the shower and you're like going back to whatever life is outside of the shower time. And then you're like, wait, what was I just thinking? And it's because of that. It's because it's because of ritual, um, which is why it's also important to create daily rituals mm. around your creativity. So, mm. so setting up the space, yeah. getting certain clothes that you wear when you create things like that are so important because then it puts you in that mindset and Absolutely. allows it allows ideas to just flow through you much more easily. Yeah. Mm. Um, per Aquanotes, Liz said, noted. <laughs> Yay. Me too. Yay! Uh, me too. You know how many Yo, honestly, lines? she gave me that thing. It was the coming. simplest little thing, and I lost my mind. I was, I said the same thing. Oh my god, this is about to change my life because it's always. But most of the time, when I'm when I'm tracking, it's through voice memo. It's then when I'm in the shower, I write it on my Aqua Notes. Yeah, it's a thing. That is cool. Aqua Notes yeah. needs to give me something for that, don't they? For wow. real. <laughs> you the plug. <laughs> That's another way that I keep track of my ideas. So a lot of my stuff comes to me in the middle of the night. I'm a middle of the mm-hmm. night. I'm a lucid dreamer anyway. So in my dreams, it's full color, sight, sound, taste, That's touch, so cool. smell in my wow. dreams. And when I dream, I can also interact in the dream and shift it. Mm. So I'll be like, why is this happening? What? I don't, I don't like this. No, I'm going to change it. Ooh, you so some inception. I, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, why am I here? Like, for example, one year I was fasting um, off chocolate. In the dream, I had a chocolate-covered cherry. And I was biting into it, and I felt the juice, and I was eating the cherry. And I'm like, I'm fasting. I'm not supposed to be eating this in the dream. <laughs> so I was like, push it away. When I gave up meat, the same thing. Every now and then I get bacon dreams, because that's the hardest thing to like. <laughs> and I be eating bacon in my dreams. So okay. stop it. I... I'm not supposed to be eating bacon. Oh, I gave up meat. So no one ever. So for me, <laughs> a lot of my ideas come in that dream space, and I'll see the painting, oh, or I'll have the idea for the message or the sermon, and it comes that's in hilarious. that space. So that journal on the side of the bed. Yes, I was gonna say. You, you know, that's a God message. Yes. Write that thing down. Yeah, I'm yeah. doing and that. And hold on to it. I'm doing that. So it shows up that in awesome. that space. Mm-hmm. That's where it shows up. For me, it's a mix of. A few things i have hella notebooks um so i have a book that's dedicated to like actual business like planning stuff um or shows or things like that so those are like my more technical that's like my more technical book it's my book that says plans for world domination uh literally on the cover right um then there's one that is for sketches and then there's one that's for poetry and then i have a journal on top of that so like I that for me is my way of organizing it mm-hmm. because if not I wouldn't be able to find anything. Mm. I know I wouldn't, but also the act of just writing itself helps me to remember and organize mm-hmm. things um and to to recall a whole lot better and easier than if I typed it. Um eventually things end up typed, but before that it all has to come from my hand first. Mm. Yeah. Word. Oh, and then my other question. Sorry, were you gonna say something? I would go go to that. No, no, no. I was gonna go back to the pricing thing. Oh yeah, go for it. Cause um, like for the audience, like everybody here is kind of on a different level than I am. Cause when even when you asked me the question, I was listening to a podcast and she asked me a question about pricing. I went off on a tangent and didn't even answer her question <laughs> because 
Um, at this point in my life, and this is for all the listeners, um, like I said, I have I had five years of poetry that I have written. It isn't until now that I feel comfortable enough with myself to be able to express all of that. Mm. So sometimes you just have to really understand like, hey, this is my gift. And I was, and it was the seasons that I was just going through. You know, there weren't people encouraging me. There weren't people telling me like, you have a gift. You're dope. This is a, this is awesome that you can do this. There weren't people telling me that. So again, back to who you surround yourself around. You got to get some of those friends right. that you tap into. Yeah. <laughs> we and got a group like that where we show up for each other. It's like our it's combination therapy and That's our so accountability. Necessary. So we show up. So what are you working on? And it has made us more productive. Right. We push each other. Right. It keeps each other accountable. To kind of make keep, something happen. Yes, yes. And I mean, like, to me, when it comes to pricing, like, I can't, me, myself, I look at now, or I looked at back then in my poetry, and I was like, nobody's going to listen to this. Nobody's going to pay for this. Why would anybody pay for this? Da, 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 da. Now, I'm starting to really gather around myself with individuals that are saying, hey, you have worth. This is what this is worth. This is what this is yeah. worth. So um, items, how much they cost, the time value that you put into mm-hmm, something. Mm-hmm. Everybody has 24 hours. You can't get that back. Right. I don't care how much money you're going to pay for a po- piece of poem, for us to go do a gaming tournament for your charity, or for Bearded Egghead to go do some sort of inspirational, motivational speech. But... At the same time, like with that comes a lot of time that people don't see mm. in the front end. Like I could go there and speak my poem, which is the finished product. And at the end of the day, I don't get paid. I'm fulfilled. I'm fulfilled at the fact that I finished the product. I did something, but I'm not getting paid. And it's still like, okay, there's something missing. Mm-hmm. Because people, they may clap, they may say woo, and after ah! you're done, they tap you in the back. But you mm. have to get something from people when they're like, hey, look, I appreciate what you're doing. You're, you've spoke to me. I'm going to give you this offering, or I'm going to invest in you, or I'm going to give you some money. There's something about the transaction of money to be able to give you a gift when somebody else is working for that money. Yeah. Like it's that trust and it's a bond right it is right it's a friend because they know what it is about having friends help you get there and so that's how most of us start to develop our pricing on things and it really is some friends and mentors that start to tell you what you should be getting Mm -hmm. even with ministry like so if somebody says what's your honorarium that's like the hardest thing I'm just blessed to be able to come and preach. Mm. But then my grown friends that have been were in ministry. No, you get one more price. They're like, look, <laughs> you should be getting blah 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 yeah. at this stage for an yeah. event like this. Ask yeah. them how many people are gonna be there. Da 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 da. You should be getting this. You need some friends right. to check in with. Yes. And the same thing is with the visual arts, the same thing is with the spoken word art and developing your platform. So that's the grown folks business. Developing your platform and the doorway and the streams of revenue so you can take bookings Mm -hmm. and have contracts Mm -hmm. and you have a set rate 
for a show. Bookings right. and contracts. Right. And, it's, and it's setting yourself up that way to receive. Mm. It's being mm. open yes. to receive. Right. You got to have a little basket to receive. Mm. Even in the church, they got a little basket. They passing it around <laughs> expecting something to end up in the basket. Right. Well, artists have to do the same thing, expecting something to come in our basket. Right. And I think that one of the difficulties with pricing for artists is the first question is, how much is that? Especially when you're in the beginning, you're like... Yeah, no. how right. to price it. Like pricing right. is so right. hard. Right. I hear that from artists. Oh, yeah. Pricing is so hard. Yeah. Again, because it's a piece of us, and we've put X amount of like, I don't know. Some artists might charge. If this took me twenty hours, I pay myself fifty dollars an hour, a hundred dollars an hour, whatever. Some artists might charge that way. Other artists might say, you know what? It's a small piece. It didn't take me long, but it's a huge piece of my soul, mm. and so it's this much. So every artist priced differently, but. It's a part of us, and I think that's what makes that what, that's what makes it so hard about attaching yeah. a dollar amount to it because we do feel blessed to be able to do this thing, but we also want to be able to make a living doing this mm-hmm. thing, mm-hmm. and that's where that that's where that balance comes. And you like, have yeah. to go through a stage, I think. Um, now, and I was saying before, I'm now at the place where they're not all babies in the same way. All my paintings are not. I don't love them like I did before. I was so attached in the beginning because it was my therapy mm-hmm. in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And so I couldn't even begin to think about letting things go. Wow. But I have such a large number of pieces now. I have finally reached a place where yeah, I've gotten them into through, the world. Yeah, I've gotten through the therapy and I can let them go. Mm-hmm. And watching what Sue Lynette is doing, it helps me see, get that stuff going. Just because see the price, what's going to sell? Put a price if you want some money in your hand. Better put a price on it so you gonna get some money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and not only that, outside of the money, really being able to this launch um, Somebody said something to me years ago. A, a friend said something to me years ago that has stayed with me always. God doesn't give you a gift like that to keep to yourself. Right. You're not an artist so that you can paint them and keep it on your walls inside. Now there are artists who choose to do that, and that's cool. But if you're going through something and you create something from that something you're going through, somebody else is going to see that piece Mm. and relate to it. And they need that therapy. Mm. So it's your responsibility to put that out into the world so that other people, it comes with poetry, it comes with writing, it comes with painting. That stuff touches other people. And so when we hold on to it for ourselves, it's very selfish, Mm. right? I have a piece right now that is my baby and I'm not selling her. Her name is Queendom. And I know it's what the face is like. Yes. It's my baby. It's like like her name is Queendom and it was something I was inspired to do a couple of years ago. And at first I was I was pricing it. And then after I priced it, I looked at it and I was like, I really don't know that I'm ready to sell her yet. So I took it down. No, she's not for sale. I will do limited edition prints. But I don't know that I'll ever ever sell the original because it 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 was that much of my soul that went into this piece. So maybe the original will stay with me forever and ever. But I will make replicas, limited edition mm-hmm. replicas of this piece to put out into the world because it has touched other people. They, uh, they see it and they're like, whoa, this is, you know, they feel something when they see it. And for somebody to look at a piece of my art and say, wow, that in of itself is, it, for me, it's like, well, okay, they're touched by this. That's a gift for me because... I did put a lot of time and energy into it. And I didn't do it because I wanted people to be like, wow. But if somebody else sees it and they feel what I feel, yeah. or they feel anything, yeah. then that is something. That is powerful. Yeah. yeah. Because that's something that came through me. And I don't claim my art either. Like, people, oh, this is my art. 
I'm a vessel, like you said earlier. I like yes, I'm the one doing it. It's coming from my hands, but that zone that we go into, mm-hmm. that's a higher power. Mm-hmm. No matter what you believe in, you can believe in whatever you want to. That is a higher power coming through you and creating something that you are meant to put into the world. Right. So true. Talking about money. I can talk about money all day. But talking about money, it's an energy exchange. It is a it is a form of affirmation, of affirming what it is that we do. And I don't see anything wrong with asking for money, wanting money, and thriving with money. Because you you've always heard the, the, the phrase that you can't give from an empty cup, right? You can't give you can't give if you don't have. If I'm worried about rent, if I'm worried about bills, if I'm worried about like anything else that requires money because that's the world that we live in i'm not going to be creating from the best place that i can anyway Mm -hmm. so you're not going to be getting the best work from me that you can anyway Mm -hmm. so put help me to help you because that's the point of art anyway for me at the core anything that all of us are doing on this planet at the core of it should be to help each other and if money is a way to do that then do so. So respect what it is that we're doing and actually invest in it. Mm-hmm. I don't see it as a cost. I see it as an investment because the price is only going to go up. Love you. Just saying. <laughs> so you got your heads up. <laughs> um, the other question I wanted to ask y'all was, so um, this, this is like something for me when I was, when I was younger and, and when I was, when I was like, this has always been with me since I was like in middle school. I was always ready for the next step. When I was in middle school, I was over it. I was like, I'm ready for high school. When I was in high school, freshman year, I was already like, I'm ready for college. When I went into college, I was like, yo, I'm ready for the rest of the world. Um, and I, I kind of want us to discuss like learning from where you're at. Like for me, for example, the podcast, the reason why it's set up the way that it is set up is because before I became a full-time artist, my background was in research. Um, And through that process, I learned how to be a good researcher. Um, And now that's why the questions are consistent. That's why the questions are the way they are. The flow of the show is the way that it is. It is because I learned that skill at that job, even though I knew I wasn't going to stay. So... I kind of want to talk about that, about like learning where you're at, even when you think it's not related to what you actually want to do. Ooh, yeah. That's so good. That's huge. That is so good. Um, I try. I'll, I'll start off. That's that ethnographer in off. me. I'll yeah. start off because <laughs> it, it applies to me so perfectly um, right now, especially. How's that like, on battery, by the way? Sorry. I'm just. Okay, cool. I'll just check. Like for me, I'm working a regular nine to five. I take every learning lesson in that job because it's IT and I put it in my brain housing group like okay this is what I have to do to be able to fix this issue right since I have a nonprofit that's based on gaming and teaching IT I'm taking that I'm realizing I'm learning this and I'm grabbing it for myself and being able to apply that later on in life. So I create folders and I document all this stuff that I've learned mm-hmm. and I create an entire knowledge base of information that I've gathered in the time that I've been working at any job, mm-hmm. at any job, whether I like it or not, or whether I know I'm going to leave or not, because at the end of the day, it's about being present. Even when you know you're going to be somewhere else and when you know that this isn't for you, you have to be present where you are now. 
Because if you constantly think about the future and think about the future and think about the future, you're going to miss the things in the present, the beautiful mm-hmm. things that are here right now, the learning lessons that you're learning, and you pass those opportunities. So for me, I think it's just really being in the moment of what you're experiencing and learning from it and being able to later on in life take that and look back like wow this is what I learned from this Mm -hmm. and like you're doing you're applying it to your podcast Mm -hmm. you didn't know you were going to do a podcast back then big facts you know what I'm saying you didn't know that right but you're applying those knowledge and skills that you've learned back then to be able to do it now everybody has that ability there's people as long as you're alive you have learned something in life that you can apply to now you know, it's whether there's people that are encouraging you to tell you that or not. So it goes back to ensuring that you're around those positive vibes mm-hmm. and that energy to be able to um, feed that energy back to people. Yeah. But even in, in building off of what he said, learning from where you are, even building, even learning from the negative vibes. Yes. Because, yes. and I'm going to speak on that, because if I go back to my very first job, I was 14, I was under the table, I was a sandwich artist at Subway. Okay. Hey. I was a sandwich, I was making four twenty five an hour, and you couldn't tell me I wasn't balling because I was 14. Like, that's a lot of money that's for a 14-year-old. This was in the 90s, you know, it wasn't a... And so for me, I remember working that job, and I remember at 14, because of the maturity, I guess, the owner of the story... I was doing bank drops. I was opening the store. I was closing. I'm not even kidding you. 14, 15. I was mm. opening the store, closing the store. I was doing bank drops. I learned customer service. I talked on, on the phone. I learned how to listen to what people had to say to me. And from there on, I've always been in, in customer service. I did this in customer service and this, and then I went into different positions. I worked as a researcher in a company in Shelton for four years, which taught me to be very resourceful. I mean, these people called and asked for things that what like this even exists we had to find things that nobody even knew existed in this company right so it taught me to be really resourceful in my very last job that pushed me off that cliff and this is to speak to that negative experience I had a manager who was she was very controlling she was a micromanager she was like Miranda from the Devil Wears Prada that is who I compare it to she didn't wear Prada but she was she was the best and worst thing that happened to me Hmm. worse because every day I went in there and I was like, why is she so mean? Why is she... Like, I was taking it personal. Mm. I was mm-hmm. like, what is it about me? Why is she picking on me? The first few months, I was just like, oh my gosh, she hates me. She wants to make my life miserable. And I was having an entire pity party. Mm. Until I realized, get out of the mindset of being a victim right now. Learn from whatever's happening. Number one, learn about who you do not want to be. Mm. So all of her yes. negative... All of her negative... All of that. She she would talk down to people. I would look at her on the phone with people and she would literally rip them a new one and get off and start laughing because it made her feel better about herself. Mm. Right? And I knew that that was not something I wanted to be. Right. right. So it showed me not how not to deal with people. Mm. Right? Right. And I had a little bit of that in me. Yeah. That's why it bothered me. And my kids called me out on it because I went home one day and I was like, oh my God, what did I do? I signed up. Da, 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 da. And she stands over me and she's telling me what to do every five seconds. And my 15-year-old said, gee, mom, she sounds a lot like you. Real talk. And it, yes, shots fired. Escándalo. I was like, what? Nuh-uh. And I was so offended. And then that night, I went 
to my room and I really thought about what my daughter said. And this is the importance of having people, even your kids. Because mm. it came off disrespectful when she first said it. <laughs> but that's her reality, right? I'm wow. with her in the house all the time. I'm talking to her. And it shifted the way I dealt with my kids. Mm. So she was beneficial in so many ways to my life. Mm. But taking that negative. And what happened in that job, because I was admin at a, a very affluent town in Connecticut at a country club. And so I'm in the back end. I'm seeing invoices come in and go out. I'm running the website. I'm handling customers on the phone. I'm seeing an end of business that I haven't seen before. And so in the two years that I was there, I saw accounting. I saw the way files were kept. I saw, so she was a pain in the rear, but she was meticulous in the way she ran that business. Mm. And so those are the things like, okay, I need to be organized in this way, in this way, this mm. is what I, so those are the things that I took. So mm. learning where you are is so important because a lot of times we'll see ourselves in this miserable position. Like, oh my God, why am I here? Get out of that space and pay attention so that you can recognize the reasons that you're there so you could take the lessons that you need and so you could get the hell out. <laughs> so that learning where you are is really important. And I think a lot of us, we go into victim mode and we stay there not mm. realizing, you know, if you're in the trunk of a car because somebody's about to take you, how are you going to get out? Mm. You got to start, you got to start strategizing. What are you doing in that trunk? You just going to lay there and wait for them to drive you wherever they, or are you going to try to kick that thing open? Yeah. So that's what learning where you are, where you are in the moment. Don't stay in that victim space because the moment you subscribe to that, you're stuck there. You got to come out of that. So really learning, like you said, and, and pulling from the negative, because a lot of times we focus only on the positive, mm-hmm. but you got to understand the negative to appreciate the positive. Yeah, so true. So, yes. And I would say learning where I am in this season of my ministry and my production It's about understanding how to build a platform. And I think that's a new way of looking at business and life. And even in my church, I have new ministers coming in. I'm not training them the way I was trained. Mm -hmm. I was trained to, oh, preach and praise the Lord. You'll be all right. No, I'm teaching my ministers how to build a platform for ministry. Mm -hmm. Just like here at the 224 Ecospace, I'm teaching people how to build platforms for their business. And this is the new economic climate we're in. And, you know, one of the things that I've come to recognize is nobody's going to save me. I got to save myself. Nobody's going to just throw resources at this business. I've got to be the one who makes it happen. So I'm focusing now a lot and it's painful and it's hard. But this world that we live in, it really is about a social media platform and it's about a business platform. So who are you? What is your brand? What is your focus? And be specific. And I can do so many things, but it's about narrowing it, defining it. Mm -hmm. How do you talk to your avatar? Who is your avatar? Who is your audience for this product that you produce? Get really focused on who is the avatar? Who are you selling it to? And then how do you build a platform that will speak to that audience? And that happens in ministry. That happens in the eco space. And this is sort of the new world economy that we're in, especially for entrepreneurs. And to think that stuff is just going to come your way. No, you got to build the platform. You got to work that platform. You got to get the word out. You got to manifest. And that means you go after the hustle. It's not like stuff's just going to show up. You've got to like set an intention, go for it, make it happen, be relentless. Don't mm-hmm. give up. You got to kick the can. Um, I think in this season of my life, 
I'm definitely all about, I've got a whole lot of things I'm trying to make happen, but how can I kick the can and make one step? One step. Just keep the thing going one step. Because there's all kind of barriers that are there, but how do you make one move towards the goal? Mm -hmm. Because it's not like the goal is going to be a straight line, but you got to find a way to get through a door or get through a window to keep the thing going in order to make your dream happen. Mm -hmm. And so that's a lot of what I do here at the eco space. That's a lot of what I do with the church. That's a lot of what I do with my own art. It's the same thing. And so my constant prayer is, God, give me the resources so I can be a greater blessing to more people. Mm. It's not just that I want the resources for me. Give me resources so I can impact a broader platform and base. Mm -hmm. So then, therefore, I have to think all the time, how am I blocking myself? How am I limiting myself? You know, what have I left undone? How can I leave open doors for multiple streams of revenue from my ministry, from my art, multiple streams of revenue all the time? And we talked about this in our artist accountability group. You paint the painting, but then you can take that painting and it could be postcards. It could be prints. It could be T-shirts. It could be custom yoga mats or blocks or it could be tote bags or pillows. So multiple streams of revenue. Plus you take all of those products and you take it to the conference you're speaking at. Mm-hmm. And then you set yourself up so you are invited to a conference. So it's brochures for conferences to be invited and you bring your product line with you. So now I'm thinking that way on multiple levels. How can you maximize every moment? Mm-hmm. And how can you have each thing touch and push each thing? So things have a way of impacting other things, and that's what I'm focused on all the time now. Like, okay, opportunity showing up every single day. Every yes. single day, yes. opportunity showing up. 100%. How are you going to claim this moment, this mm-hmm. opportunity, kick the can to make the next thing happen? Mm. And I think one of my mantras is act as if it's going to happen. Act as if this thing might actually happen. And so I'm daring myself to show up in different places or push into different doors or just kind of pretend I have a right to be there. And then, whoa, they let me in. So um, that's, you know, pretend you really are this great being. Mm -hmm. Just pretend it, even though you may feel like an imposter. Pretend and show up. Because you know what? Somebody's got to be there. Why not you? I think even going to the next level. Because pretending, I think, is something that we have to do in the beginning but then it gets to a point where you really just believe it mm-hmm. like you have you ever heard the phrase fake it till you make yeah. it yeah mm-hmm. like fake it till you make it but but really when you go into that room believe that you belong there um i met an artist a few years ago named steven lopez i don't know if you guys know him he's um his website is i keep moving.com he's mm-hmm. from he's from la he's a he's actually a famous street artist from la and a few years ago he was in chelsea new york he was commissioned by Alicia Keys mm, wow. to work on this mural in her studio. You go up to her studio in Chelsea, and, and there was this amazing, um, this amazing mural that he was working on. Um, and we went to see him, and we were having lunch for, for, with him down in you know in the like cafe that's downstairs from the studio, and we're sitting there talking. And I'm just like, I can't believe that like we're sitting in this space. And he just looked at me like, don't ever say that again. And I was like, what do you mean? He said, don't ever say you can't believe it. You are exactly where you're supposed to be at every moment. Believe that every moment, every great thing that happens to you, you deserve. And 10 minutes later, he's like, you guys want to go upstairs and see the studio? 
I think we went upstairs and I sat at the piano and I mean, she wasn't there, but whatever. I, you know, and I don't get starstruck or anything like that, but being in a space where you know so much success has happened, mm. you know what I mean? Just being in that space. And so the whole believing. So he, when he said there's certain things people say to you that stick with you, like I'll walk away from here today with things that stay with me because that's just kind of how the, the way, that's the way I absorb things. But not only pretending, but believing. Yes. If you walk into that room, you're like, hmm, I got this. Yep. You know, I've never been one of the people that go into an interview. When I was younger, I had job interviews, tests. I never got shook over it because I just went into it believing, I got this. And then if it's meant to be mine, it's going to be mine. But I go into it believing that it's mine. And so I think when you believe it, not only pretend, but you pretend and then bring it to the next That's level. Right. We start out pretending because right. in the beginning, we don't really believe it. But once you get to that point where you're like, I belong here or this is mine. Well, you know? here at the 224, it's faith-based community development. Faith-based community development. Faith is the big yes. element of yes. it. Yes. And so this building was on the market for $1.5 million. I heard this in the podcast. And what? so it's on the market. Crazy. And so I've got to act as if. I've got to believe that we could own a block of this city to make a difference in this city. I've got to believe it's possible. By faith, I believe it's possible, even though I'm a little scared to go in the room. And so it's on the market for $1.5. One of my friends who's a lawyer, he's working a deal. He's got lots of courage and gonads, if you will. And so he offered $350,000 for us on our behalf. Mm. I said, yeah, could you make put in the offer for us? We didn't have any money. It's faith. Some people say, you're just crazy. But it's faith-based <laughs> community development. I believe God has all it's the resources faith, that I need. That's it. God has everything. God got all the resources. So I'm going to walk in the door. I'm going to act as if I'm going to walk by faith and not by sight. We offer $350,000. People laughed at me. Time went on. Ultimately, we bought the building for $387,000 with a half a million dollar grant from the state of Connecticut. Who would believe? Like, I didn't believe it, but I walked as if. It's possible that somebody could get a half a million dollar grant. So our organization got the half a million dollar grant. And then as artists, we redeveloped this place and now it is worth $2.5 million. Wow. Wow. Because we acted as if. We walked by faith. We kept kicking the can. We were tenacious. We kept working it. And now it actually does exist. And I had people say, oh, that's just pie in the sky. Well, I acted as if it's faith. Mm. But as creatives, we manifest all yes. the time. Yes. Yeah. Yes, we do. That's so true. And I think like um, like Alicia has pointed out, you, 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 your brain could do both either negative or mm-hmm. positive. You could think that you're a horrible person, you're fat, you're ugly, you're done, you're all these negative things, and your physical manifestation and your environment is going to be that. Right. And it's as simple as flipping the switch and that same negative mm-hmm. concept, as much of negativity as you have in your mind, you could also just say, you know what, I'm beautiful, I'm worth it. And you start really, after you do it for repetitively you start believing and it starts to show and it starts to manifest and you're like oh my god you're amazing oh snap i am good i do have gifts oh that we we have one minute on this yet again so um we could we could like stop again and start again because i still have a question or two cool we'll be right back don't go anywhere just click right back on it